Content warning. This series will discuss topics that may bring up painful experiences for you. Please take the time to surround yourself with good medicines. If need be, pause the playback and go for a walk, stretch, have a glass of water, and come back to the show when you feel comfortable. Welcome to the Métis Speaker Series. I'm your host, Darian Kovacs. On this podcast series, we will be exploring learning, healing, and rebuilding within the Métis community. Our goal is to create awareness of and generate discussion about Métis issues, as well as how to heal from and move forward in a healthy way. We hope to reduce Métis invisibility in BC through the personal stories from our Métis community members. The show is brought to you by the Métis Nation of British Columbia, and jelly marketing. Yeah, so thinking about that question, where my family comes from, immediately I go to the family that I grew up with. So I grew up on Shawnee's territory, which is in Shawnigan Lake. And my dad grew up in Saskatchewan as one of 10 Metis kids. And my Métis family comes from Red River, Manitoba. And as a mixed person, I feel like I have to mention where the rest of my family comes from too. So my mom's mom is from the Netherlands and my dad's dad is of Spanish descent. So I'm kind of mixed Métis, Dutch and Spanish. I don't know much about my Cree family's relationship to the land beyond the fact that my Cree grandmother was a medicine woman and my dad fell in love with a woman who was raised by two parents who are still very connected to the land and it's conservation to this day. That's amazing. That's amazing. And and growing up, what did you get to see? What did you get to experience? And what did you get to learn from this incredible family of yours? Yeah, well, in Shawnee and Lake, sometimes I feel like my childhood was one big spirit bath in that lake. (laughs) And when I go back to Shawnigan now, I know all of the plants that surround the lake. This year, going back to Shawnigan was really cool because there was a hawthorn tree that was in fruit. And I've never seen hawthorn berries growing along the edge of the lake my entire childhood. And that's one of my absolute favorite herbal medicine plants. And there it is now growing in my hometown. And I know the lake weed that grows in the lake and the bog myrtle that grows on the edge of the lake and the poplar trees that line the lake. So when I think about home, it's definitely very connected to the plants that grow there. That's amazing. And and growing up, were you taught all the names or is this something that you pursued later in life? I wasn't so much taught the names in a medicinal sense. But my Dutch grandmother taught me a lot of names of flowers. And even when I go back to photos of myself as a child, I'm usually, you know, head down looking at plants. (laughs) And I've, I've noticed now that I've gotten older that my view on the world is very close up. Like I recognize plants. I know where plants grow, but when it comes to the larger picture, locating myself in a geographical sense. Sometimes I'm like, I have no idea where I am, but I can tell you all these plants that are growing here. That is really cool. And 
what are you up to these days? What, what are you doing professionally that has been able to keep that into practice? Yeah. So recently, actually a month ago to this day, I just started a new job with the Vancouver Aboriginal Friendship Center Society um, at Skeena House. So it's a transition house where about 50% of the population is Indigenous and maybe 60% are elders. And I'm their new health and wellness worker. So I'm there full time, nine to five in an office, which is very new to me. And it's amazing because I can bring tons of culturally relevant practices to that job. So in one sense, I kind of feel like I'm school counselor where people are coming to me just, you know, when they need to talk or need to share some trauma and I'll smudge them and say a prayer for them but then also help connect them to relevant medical practitioners or bring in counselors or art therapists. And I'm kind of in charge of bringing all of that on. So right now I'm learning the COVID rapid antigen testing screening system. And I just trained to be able to train other people how to administer Narcan and like, yeah, all sorts of things. Wow. And before that, what were you doing professionally? For that and still ongoing, I have my private practice, which I've had since 2016. And it's been very organic. Like I don't really promote myself. I'm whoever comes to me, comes to me on their own accord, either by finding me via my website or word of mouth. And those word of mouth Patient referrals always mean the most, you know, when it's like I'm seeing a patient and then his wife comes in to see me because her husband's had a great experience. Like that is the most meaningful to me. That is awesome. And so with that, the the chance to get a practice, the work you do privately and the work you do now in your new job, what do you find special about Métis land-based practices in the work that you get to do now? Yeah, I think... One of my favorite parts is the four sacred plants. So wheatgrass, which in Michif is Fuen Sukri, cedar, which would be Lased, sage, Larba scent, and tobacco, Le Taba. And having those four sacred herbs is really special to me. And, you know, the fact that wheatgrass comes from Cree culture. And, you know, I don't necessarily identify as Cree, I identify as Métis, but my Métis blood comes from my Cree great-grandmother. And, you know, different cultures kind of use those four sacred plants differently. And the way that I was taught was that sweetgrass is used when you need to bring in good medicine, like good spirits, or like good ancestor medicine. That's when you use sweet grass. And cedar is kind of seen as the tree of life for protection. And recently, actually, at a advisory circle, I learned something really interesting from an Indigenous elder. And he said, this is something that I've known as well, but he said that scent is the strongest trigger for trauma. And this was a new piece. He said that Smelling cedar can actually stop a psychotic break just by smelling cedar, tree of life. So I thought that was just absolutely incredible. 
And then sage used for clearing out negative energy and tobacco, laying down tobacco to give thanks. So like when we're out in the wild, wild crafting or harvesting, giving a little bit of tobacco to give thanks to the land for the medicine that she offers. And yeah, so I think something special about Métis land-based practice is the way that we value those four sacred plants. That's amazing. And it sounds like you've had some incredible opportunities to learn from elders and learn from people who have gone before you. Mm-hmm. How do you think the relationship with the land has changed over time for Métis people? Yeah, I think how we relate to the land applies to how we relate to all of creation, right? Mm-hmm. So the winged ones, the four-legged, our two-legged re- relations like you and I, rock, soil, plant, water. I think generally speaking, the land as a whole is kind of starting to be seen as more of an inanimate part of the earth. But traditional teachings know that all of land is alive, so it must be cared for. You know, we're seemingly less dependent on the land in terms of being at the mercy of it. But with climate change, the future of the land is more dependent on the direction of humanity as a whole. And, you know, gone are the days when our Plains and Métis ancestors relied on buffalo as a primary food source. But I still feel that deep admiration anytime I consume bison. You know, it's like I give thanks to an animal that kept my ancestors alive and allowed me to exist and be here today. Um, so I think for Métis people, there's a connectedness like that where everything is connected. And so we give thanks to the bigger picture. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a spiritual way to go about life where we don't take things for granted because we see everything as circular. That's really cool. So sometimes when you <laughs> meet with elders, maybe who are practicing kind of land-based practices, are there things that you're still maybe adopting or are there things that you say, well, I, I really love what they're doing here. I want to start putting it into practice now that yourself, or is there things that you even give back to people that are, have been practicing before you? I mean, it's, it's interesting because I think there's a commonality across many indigenous cultures mm-hmm. where there's this idea of the land holding you. And I learned recently from an elder to kind of think about the land as holding you the way a grandparent might. Mm. And it's, it's cool because I never thought about it in that exact way where, you know, the land is holding you like a grandparent, but I've definitely had that experience where I remember at one point this summer, I was like, wow, you know, being indigenous has this sense of being held by the land in a way that no one else could really hold you. And this sense of reassurance that I feel when I go back into nature, it's like, no matter how bad or sad or heartbreaking my life could feel, when I go out into nature, there's this reassurance there where it's like, you know, the land asking for you to give it your pain. And it's this beautiful spirituality because in the land is where our ancestors are. And like the spirit returns to the land. So when we're in nature, we can feel that connectedness and that guidedness of like, hey, you're not alone. It's going to be okay. That's really beautiful. And, and I know you meet with people one-on-one and you can provide some advice, some direction. 
what could mm-hmm. you share with listeners right now and viewers, just not generically, but generally speaking, what are some points of advice health-wise and caring for oneself? And what are some you know general good practices? Or I notice you have some jars behind you. And so like, what are some good <laughs> yeah. resources that people should keep at hand to help heal themselves? Yeah, I think the number one thing is really like checking in with your inner voice because each of us has an inner voice that will guide us right. And it can be hard to distinguish between the inner voice of fear and the inner voice of intuition, right? Mm -hmm. But I think the difference is that that inner voice of intuition will do good. It's that good wolf. It'll lead you in the right direction. It won't say things like, you can't do it or like, (laughs) you know, don't try. Whereas that intuitive voice, that's good. That's like your, your ancestors, your medicine, that guiding voice. And when you hear that inner voice saying something good, that's when you need to listen to it and follow it. So when it comes to our health, if you have an inner voice, that's like, Hey, you know, you need to have some water or maybe you should have more kale. You know, those are simple, obvious examples, but an inner voice that's like, Hey, you feel a little bit more like you when you spend more time in nature or checking in with how your body feels when you have a certain plant medicine. So it's like, it's hard for me to give kind of generic plant medicine advice because the plant that is the right medicine for each person will be so different. So like for me, Hawthorne is always such good medicine for me. Hawthorne berry, that like healing medicine for the heart always feels right for me. And same with passion flower. Passion flower usually feels right for me. And passion flower is an anxiolytic herb. So it's used to relieve anxiety. And there's different plants that have specific indications for different types of anxiety. And passion flower is used for kind of cyclic thought patterns or ruminating thought patterns. So if you're the type of person where you just keep thinking about the same thing and it's kind of driving you wild, passion flower. <laughs> and and maybe you don't want to give all away all your secrets, but it, it, what do you do <laughs> with this flower? And what do you do with the berry? Like, are, do you hold them? Do you put them, you know, yeah. find the oil of such plant? And Yeah, so with Hawthorne berry... Um, they're actually in fruit right now, like on my lunch break, since I'm very much not used to being in office from nine to five, I'm used to being outdoors as much as, you know, humanly possible. So I get a half an hour lunch break now and I've been going for plant walks on my lunch breaks and I've discovered there's so much Hawthorne berry growing in Vancouver right now that is ripe to be harvested. So Hawthorne berry, you can harvest the berries fresh and dehydrate them and make them into tea. Or you can make them into a tincture, um, which is an alcoholic extraction of the active constituents. So I actually made a hawthorn berry tincture when I was at home in Shawnigan by this tree with the first hawthorn berries. It really stood out to me because it's this one swimming spot that I spent most of my childhood. So I know that swimming spot inside and out. I know the roses that grow there. I know all the plants that grow there. And this hawthorne tree is completely new. (laughs) And I just stumbled upon it on a day where I really needed that medicine. 
And it was this moment where I was like, you know what? This Hawthorne Berry is here because I need it to be here. And I had a moment of checking in with myself where I actually signed up for therapy myself that day beside the Hawthorne tree and, you know, through MNBC and made use of, you know, those benefits because I think sometimes people who seem okay or seem really happy forget that it's okay to need help too, Mm. you know? And I think I'm really grateful to be alive in the time that we are because it's becoming so widely accepted that, Hey, even therapists need therapists and especially therapists need therapists, right? Where it's like, you know, to pride ourselves on being these containers, we need to allow other people to be those containers for us too. It's amazing. So an example would be if someone came to you, would you work with them to say, help them hear their inner voice and then help them decide which plants or support or therapy is needed for them in your private practice? Yeah, definitely. One of the most important questions or thought processes is what is your deepest pain? Mm. And I, I don't usually ask people that question just flat out like that, but in the back of my mind, it is something that I, I want to know because each of us goes through life and experiences these, you know, really intense moments that our bodies remember. Our, our bodies really do keep score and hold these traumas. And even if these traumas happen to us before we're developmentally able to, you know, categorize them and process them and make sense of them, even if they happen to us, you know, as infants, our bodies still hold that memory and that trauma. And so the work that I do is really focused on treating the emotional aspect of illness. Like all these little bottles behind me, these are all flower essences. So they work on the emotional body, whereas you can't really see, but in that medicine cabinet there, that's where I have all the tinctures and fluid extracts. And those are used on the physiological body. So like, you know, lowering blood sugar or um, decreasing blood pressure or, you know, sedatives, analgesics for pain. Like those are all the physiological medicine, but the flower essences are medicines that work on the energetic body or the emotional body. So like one of my favorite examples of a flower essence would be bleeding heart, Mm. which is used for exactly what it sounds like when the heart feels like it's bleeding Mm. and, you know, needs a remedy for that. Yeah. That is amazing. That's really cool. (laughs) It is cool. And sometimes I forget that I have all this medicine at my own fingertips, <laughs> you know, like I'm so aware of it when it comes to helping other people, but sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm feeling a little bit low. Oh yeah. I could take any, you know, I know what to do, yeah. which is really empowering. And it gives me peace to know that I can take care of myself yeah. and also take care of those that I love. It's pretty incredible power that comes right from the land. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things that 
the more I learn about it, the more profound it starts to become because I think there's so much focus on decolonizing right now, right? And I think sometimes people can be kind of afraid of that, of like, oh my gosh, decolonizing, you know, like, what do I need to do? What does our organization need to do? It can sound very academic when really decolonizing is so much more simple than that because decolonizing is a return to the land. It's a return to simplicity. It's a return to those indigenous ways that existed way, way, way before colonization. So even the act of picking plants and using plant medicine, that's one of the best examples of decolonizing is returning to those medicines and seeing those plants as living beings that are here to support you. And in that way, those plants are like ancestors that are here to help you heal. And the fact that they're alive, you know, that it's medicine that's living, that is able to have sometimes up to 20 different actions in one plant that can support you mentally, emotionally, physically. It just blows my mind sometimes. That's really awesome. And speaking of repairing and healing, what's your advice on, on how we could better repair and build better relationships with First Nation land stewards in BC? Yeah, I think, you know, as Métis people or any people, sometimes that question can seem intimidating where it's like, oh my gosh, what do I say? How do we do this? But really the answer to that question is so simple. It's like the best way to repair and build better relationships with First Nations land stewards is to listen to them, to really listen to them and to listen, not to reply, but to really truly hear what they are saying because First Nations are the original inhabitants of these lands. And so they have ways of being and knowing that are rooted in these soils, not over in the plains, not in Manitoba and Red River on these soils. And I can't even begin to imagine how deep that connection would feel because I know what it feels like to be held by the land on these lands. But my ancestors, some of my ancestors are here. You know, my dad's parents are here. But to have your ancestors on these lands going back generation after generation after generation, and to have your teachings go back so, so far on these lands, that's incredible. So being here on stolen land or being a settler on these lands. So yes, I'm indigenous. Yes, I am Métis. But at the end of the day, on these lands in so-called British Columbia, I'm a settler. And so when you're in someone else's home, you respect how they run that household. Mm. And being on someone else's territory is no different. That's really great. Thank you, Vanessa. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anything else that you want to leave with viewers and listeners? today? I think just the importance of taking care of one another and taking care of yourself and checking in and, you know, seeing if there is small ways that you can make someone else's life easier because life is overwhelming. You know, there's so many things to take care of in a day, in a week. And so if there's someone that you love or that you care about, just think about what they're going through in their life and what little gesture you could do to make their day a little bit easier. I think that 
is probably one of the biggest things. <laughs> That's really great. Vanessa, thank you for coming on the show today. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if people want to get a hold of you, uh, get private practice, Vanessa Prescott. We'll put the link in the show notes. But thank you so much for being here today. Awesome. This has been the Métis Speaker Series podcast. I'm Darian Kovacs. Thanks to the Métis Nation of British Columbia for making this possible with funding provided by the Civil Forfeiture Office's Indigenous Healing Stream. You can listen to all of our episodes, learn more about the podcast, and sign up to the Métis Nation of BC newsletter to stay up to date on Métis news at metispodcastseries.ca. You can find out more about the music we're playing by Love Life by visiting SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash lovelifeofficial, L-U-V-L-Y-F official, and link in the show notes for your convenience. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast listening device. See you again soon. Mina Kawapa Mitten. Thank you, Marcy, for listening. <laughs>